And that and if we're talking about 100% of success in corporate America, that's only 40% of getting you there. The 60% and plus is campaigning, is people, is being like, and on, on top of that, being a giver, like bending over backwards sometimes to do up work that's not your work, to make things look, you know, amazing and get stuff over the finish line. Stuff that you're like, isn't within your remit, yeah. but that you also can't, <laughs> you also can't claim yourself you need other people to claim for you, which goes back to the campaigning. Because like you, like if I'm in my review talking about, I did this, I did that, you know, like X, Y, Z, and I have it all written down, right? I now just look like the disgruntled worker who keeps tabs on every fucking favor he does, right? But if I have those same people I did the favors for running to my boss talking about, oh my God, Eddie is the man. Yo, Eddie helped me do this. Eddie helped me do that. X, Y, Z. It's an entire, it's a whole shift. Mi gente, dímelo. What's good? Welcome to another episode of the Quinto Eres podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know, it's your boy Pavel bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. As a reminder on this podcast, the mission is to redefine professionalism. We're trying to help you do your best work. We know that you're wasting so much time faking it, assimilating and code switching. And we want to provide you with the inspiration and guidance to help you to stop doing that. So every week on the podcast, we have a different guest to join us for a very candid conversation around the conflict that they've experienced between professionalism and authenticity. Speaking of guests, the clip that you heard in the intro is with this week's guest, Eddie Hiraldo. Before getting into the conversation, let me give you a quick bio on who Eddie is. So currently he works as a social strategist and spends most of his time being a student of internet culture. Eddie is an experienced strategist, creative and storyteller seasoned with, as he describes it, one cup of the Bronx, New York, a half a cup of Florida and three teaspoons of both Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, respectively. When he's not working on his full-time job, He's a creative strategist for 14th and Market and a brand manager for Black Visionaries. Now that you know a little bit more about Eddie, let's get into this dope conversation. But but let's start the conversation where we always do with the word authenticity. Like when you yes. think about the word, what does it mean to you? When I think about the word authenticity, it means to me, like at Brass Tax, is just being you, right? But... I would be remiss not to address the fact that it's fucking hard, hard to be you. You're incentivized in every other way to be somebody else. Even like the recipes to success. A lot of these recipes, you know, they're they're not necessarily tailored to you specifically until you go through it and then figure out, oh, this thing works for me. You know, I think authenticity is also being honest if you don't know who you are, but you're like trying to figure it out and you're honest about the fact that like some days I'm this type of person and then some days I'm this other type of person, you know, like. Talk to me a little bit about what you mean by recipes. I have an idea and you're probably saying like, well, I'm seeing people that are successful that are older than me and they're the blueprint. Yeah. So one huge recipe is your ability to be like affable, likable 
and create strong work relationships. That being a recipe, you know, it requires a certain level of not even like self-awareness and also emotional intelligence with other people. And then it also requires an insane amount of like emotional adaptability and basically Ooh. being a not like not even emotional adaptability, but also e self-awareness enough to adapt to pretty much any situation to like ensure that the people was on your side, the people being, you know, the people that hold the keys to your promotion or your professional success, a referral to another opportunity, you yeah. know, that's a bit, that's one huge recipe. It's like, so I, I used to tell people, and this is a fact, like I used to literally study white popular American culture on my time off. Like if I got off of work, I'm like, yo, oh my God, new episode of Insecure came out. I can't watch that. I got to binge watch Riverdale because that's what everyone on my team is talking about. And there's nothing wrong with expanding your preferences, right? Like I love Seinfeld. White people put me on the Brussels sprouts, love Brussels sprouts, right? <laughs> but there becomes a point where you try something, you don't like it, and you and you continue to do it simply for the fact, to your point, you're like, all right, if I watch more of these things, maybe it's they'll gonna, accept yeah. me. Maybe hey. it'll help me in my career. Like, mm -hmm. did you do any of those things? Like, in what way did you try to fit in and become accepted? Yeah, a few different things, I want to say. So having this conversation kind of makes me realize a thing I did, like, way back in my college days, but that I've kept with me as part of like a way to succeed and a way to, a way to easily like, you know, win friends, win influence, things like that, right? So my name is Edward. It's not Eddie. Edward, hella formal. And it's tied to like patriarchy and kings, the names of kings and queens and all this stuff, right? Very rigid. And it's also my father's name which that's probably a whole nother like rival, but carving out your own identity for me was not only like trying to carve out something that felt I could own, but when I fully went to Eddie and like with the why, you know, I would always say like, you know, Eddie, because Edward is like way too formal, or I never wanted anyone to feel as apprehensive as they typically would when I enter a room or when I'm holding space somewhere. Super, e I wanted to be easy to talk to, easy to approach, because I, I knew that I kind of gave off a certain vibe sometimes, especially when I'm like passionate about something, you know, the loud Latino in the room, like, or the my loudness being perceived or taken as like aggressiveness are so, those things that have that you have been called or those like stories that you're telling yourself as far as like they may perceive me this way a little bit of both the rigidness of the name that's something i definitely told myself i felt mm -hmm. i personally felt like you know edward was way <laughs> too formal but as far as at like you know not being perceived a certain way those were cues I was getting from people's body language. So it wasn't something that people would say outright, but it was it was definitely body language. Or I might have a later conversation about like my performance or how I'm showing up. And, you know, I'm told like be less devil's advocate or be less or not be less, be less precious with the work and the ideas. Interesting. Basic, you know, essentially, essentially like being asked, yo, you need to have a healthy detachment. Because my passion for the things I did want to see go through was like, it was a lot to handle, I guess, for certain people. And when I say certain people, it's definitely a lot of people like me. Because people like myself, I've never had that kind of issue. Or I've never I've never ha seen the body language where like, bro, you need to chill. Or if it, that it signaled 
it would be an issue in the future, you know? So with that, I mean, that's one of the things I definitely did. I want to say another way that I tried to fit in. I think it was like around the time of um, Game of Thrones, like the last season of Game of Thrones. I never got into Game of Thrones, dude, ever. (laughs) I still probably won't get into Game of Thrones. But I definitely saw last season, mainly because I felt like it made me better at my job to know like what was going on and to also know like how things I can draw a line to that people in the room cared about more than I did. Because, you know, working in advertising, especially anything marketing related, you you're a salesman now, because like since you don't work in sales, the sales department it's not so cut and dry, like what it is you're selling and what it is you're supposed like how you're supposed to move to sell those things in sales. Everybody knows that like you're trying to sell a product. So you're forgiven for the things you do to like win the client over or make the sale. However gray area it might seem, but when you're in spaces where like the, the output is ideas and creative ideas at that, you're selling like you're selling yourself as a person as a fucking thought leader and you're mm-hmm. also selling your opinion and like be everybody everybody or how can i say when dealing with ideas and creativity you're dealing with a lot more ego and because mm-hmm. you're dealing with a lot more ego there's a lot more at stake if you know you're caught out there being quote unquote fake or like you rub somebody the wrong way it feels like it's way higher stakes because now, like, your word, your ability to sell, your ability to convince someone is so heavily tied to your authenticness as a person, when let's, going back to authenticity. But this authenticity that we're, we're framing is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a character almost. It's a character I'm selling you that, yes, like, I'm that expert, but I'm also selling you this character because this is the character you show me is the one that is trusted, that gets the looks, that gets the opportunities, you know? Are you, are you saying like going into, how do I say this? That No, that, that's really interesting. It's kind of like, depending on how you present yourself as a creative, Yes. there is a certain perception of you. I'm just making this up, right? But like, let's just say like somebody's dressed quirky or something and people mm-hmm. are like, oh, the the quirky guy's coming in. He's a genius. He's so creative. He like dresses a certain way, right? I don't know. Like, is that kind of like, like um, people cr- creating characters to feel more believable? I don't know. Yeah. Yes. But like, it. that's a first layer. Like your looks would be the first layer. That's like mm-hmm. not even what I'm talking about is like three, four layers deep where it's like the small moments. It's the, even the choice of words that you have like being mindful of every piece of body language, every tick in a meeting, and even how you respond to like client feedback and your responses. Mm. All those things are carefully curated in order to make sure that you're taking steps toward progress in a creative career, which ultimately is being able to toe the line between making creatives feel good about their creative ideas towing the line between that and letting them know that yo you can you can do way better or like this work can be way better this work being like it's not speak it's not speaking to a diverse audience or it's just not hitting like this is what we're getting paid 
you know thousands of dollars for xyz does that make sense yeah yeah and and i want to go back to some of these like recipes that mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier around success like what are what are some other recipes that you think you've been trained to believe that you need to do in order to be successful micromanaging one thousand percent people told um, you that no like see but that's the thing like these are recipes that i've essentially come upon through so many other words and having to kind of piece it together right gotcha. but like no one is going to tell you outright that or something someone would tell me right and and especially in our new work environment which is like hybrid and stuff right they're like yo you have to over communicate and then when i ask them like what like what does that mean they're like yo like you're about to do something you know or like you have an idea of something and you're like going to work on this or whatever you know you draft up a little message or whatever you let your boss know you let the team that you're involved with know xyz and then you go do the thing and then you update oh, them yeah. while you're yeah, doing yeah. the thing this is the this is this is the thing they're telling me to do but nowhere yeah. in that whole explanation they're like yo gotta be a micromanager yeah but after just explaining every piece of what they said i should do how is that not micromanaging it's, it's or, like you're micromanaging you're micromanaging yourself essentially yes exactly i hate that because, shit oh my god it is it is perceived to your boss or whoever that is the micromanager themselves or that like if your boss appreciates the constant check-in the constant like knowing what it is you're doing they're micromanaging you but they're not right. like there's such a negativity around the word itself nobody wants to say that they're doing that and they'll by god they will deny 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 and because like truthfully nobody wants to be micromanaged nor do they nobody. want to be called the micromanager and yet we have these systems in place or these one of these recipes is to over communicate over communicate over communicate because we're in this new environment where like i'm working from home and supposedly they need to know what i'm doing at all fucking times like yeah it makes me feel like a child not only a child but it also kind also undermines your ability as a professional to do the job in the way that best suits you yeah right and like it also undermines the bullshit they give you when they're selling you a job that you know we brought you in for your personality we brought you in to bring in different types of thinking and stuff it's like that's the sell and then you come in and the reality is like no nah, no nah, homie you got to get with the joneses which is another recipe or I guess moving into another recipe, which is pretty simple. It's like adapt or die. I and mean, that's just putting, that's just putting like a title to some of the stuff I already, you know, just talked about with you, which is like selling this character, changing how you do certain things, X, Y, Z, like adapt in this case being be whoever it is you need to be to win in this system. Yeah. It's, you know, so it's, it's interesting too, because like learning and then you know, playing, playing against that, I guess. Yeah. I experienced something very similar when I was at Facebook, for example, and all these companies do do it, right? It's like, bring your most authentic self to work. And that's why I focus on the word authenticity. Cause I think it means something different to everybody, but I was on the sales team and I came in with my sort of like own delivery to things. And yeah. eventually you learn that there's a whole team within the organization that is in charge of creating pitch decks for the entire organization and what you end up doing is like memorizing the script that this team put together in this pitch deck and there are certain words that you have to say because it's like very facebooky right so i can't just say something like 
it's an extensive playlist. I can't use the word extensive. I have to say the word curated, right? Like there are certain words and buzzwords that like I have to throw in or like I didn't do a good job. And it's interesting. It's like they tell you to be authentic yet. If you recorded a hundred salespeople delivering a pitch or educating clients on a certain thing, we're all using the same exact language with the same exact delivery. You know what I mean? Like it takes away the personality that they claim they wanted you to have. You know what I mean? Like, have you experienced that? Yes. I want to say in a different way, less like, so in my case, because I build the decks or I build mm. a lot of decks, there's like certain structures to how certain decks should go. Sure. But I, I think I've experienced that probably the most in like a setting where we're having a client conversation and there's some, some things you can't say or like being on a client call, you can't, or it felt like, you know, you can't uh, argue with your teammate or like have a differing opinion to your teammate on the call in front of the client like that whole united yeah. front idea i mean you know it's like hmm, i guess but are we always going to be in agreement one and two like can't we use a disagreement as a tool to help get the client on our side like if you know that i'm a good debater let's say you know like trying to find solutions or ways to fit in the personalities instead of squeezing them around this box that they got to fit into i think that's what i've definitely experienced experience in the past and you know even sometimes now i would also say going back to the ego piece one of the scripts that we definitely like sometimes adhere to is we're reviewing ideas concepts and things we want to do and like you hold you hold your tongue until the end like you don't discuss during or if you have an idea or anything you just like and i mean if there's a departure from like if the value is let let everyone speak but then the expectation in this meeting is to be like a workshop and stuff. Kind of a mixed message when you're, it's like a workshop, but everybody got to shut the fuck up until <laughs> presentation's over, you know? And then on top of that, like either during the meeting or after certain leadership might have an opinion on who the hell is talking and who should and should not have an opinion. Very political in that sense, I think. There are a lot of like unspoken rules within this whole like political corporate system. Yes, I agree. Like you're constantly selling yourself to your point to continue building that credibility, to continue building that relationship. And I think it's interesting what you said as well. It's like it goes so much beyond how you look, how you present yourself. Like <laughs> I often compare it to like a. Like you're always running for president is how I put it internally. Like you yeah. always, it's not about just doing the work. It's also about like letting Campaign. everyone within the organization know that you're doing the work. And yeah. it, it's weird though, right? Because it literally goes against everything we've been taught growing up. Keep your head down, just work. They'll see your work. And then you get to this spot and oh, it's just like, no, it's the complete a complete opposite. A recipe I, I was given not too long ago and this shit still like fucks me up man but it, it fucks me up because of how true it is in a lot of companies and that and if we're talking about 100 percent of success in corporate america that's only 40 percent of getting you there the 60 percent and plus is campaigning is people is being like and on on top of that being a giver like bending over backwards sometimes to do a work that's not your work to make things look, you know, amazing and get stuff over the finish line. Stuff that you're like, isn't within your remit, yeah. but 
that you also can't you also can't claim yourself you need other people <laughs> to claim for you which goes back to the campaigning because like you like if i'm in my review talking about i did this i did that you know like xyz and i have it all written down right i now just look like the disgruntled worker who keeps tabs on every fucking favor he does right but if i have those same people i did the favors for running to my boss talking about oh my god eddie is the man yo eddie helped me do this eddie helped me do that xyz it's an entire it's a whole shift mm-hmm. like the goal is you should always have your list of shit you did you know be able be able to point to those things and and remind yourself that you did those things but no one ever tells you that the goal is not to have your personal list but to have every encounter with your boss or whoever has the keys to your promotion like essentially have that list also but not by way of you handing it to them by mm-hmm. everyone else handing them that list by ev- by having so many people come up to them that they're like fuck i gotta take record of all the shit that people keep telling me about this person never mind mm-hmm. that i do my my job just fine it's all the extra shit yeah or if i did like extra you know stuff on the job that i'm supposed to do you you know that that shit was so exhausting for me at one point that I told my manager, and this was actually around the time of COVID. I was like, yo, I don't want a promotion. Like if I got a campaign, this like I don't want to campaign this quarter. I don't want a promotion or this half. And it's also kind of weird too, because I don't think my manager ever heard that before. Like, what do you mean you don't want a promotion? Everybody wants a promotion. Like we're trained to think like, yeah, I want the bigger, better next step up. And I was like, no, I'm good. And it's weird because it's like, what do you do with that person? Like, how do I, how do I put this? Like, if we, if you know, one of my favorite movies is The Matrix, right? Okay. And The Matrix is a huge, uh, it's like a huge analogy to real life. The Matrix being like the world that we're living in, X, Y, Z. And then Neo, like there's a select handful of people who choose to like exit The Matrix, to live outside of that in the real world and, you know, be kind of the anomaly. So, that, so in this, in this, to connect the dots real quick, I feel like there's a lot of people who choose and love the Matrix, aka. And in this situation, the Matrix would be corporate America, corporate living, having a good job and a good career, because those are the things for them that they've bought into, and that I mean, one they've bought into, and two, like they 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 don't see a reason to exit it usually by way of privilege or the fact that like you've seen this work out for the rest of your family so why am i going to do anything different but for other people who are on the fucking short end of the stick inside of the matrix they're looking for ending but the matrix you know <laughs> they're like yo like i ain't getting where i'm not gonna go anywhere i'm, I'm supposed to go or i'm not gonna go anywhere i want to go in this system so i either i either make this system mine which is, you know, Neo flexing on all these people or I exit completely. And I, and I, you know, I exit completely, which is like, I don't know, the people who, who would never go into the matrix or the operator, right. Versus yeah. the people who would go in and out of the matrix, right. It's like code switching almost no pun intended, but literally they're uploading you with code, bro. It's it way ahead of its time, but like, it's that whole idea. It's the idea that a lot of people, especially those who come from the privilege that corporate America has allowed for them to have, and knowing that they're going to ease, like, it's not going to be hard for them to excel in that system. There's no reason to buy out of it. 
you know Fox. so i think the child i think the challenge is so you're in this like emotional psychological minority where you probably do hate your job and there's probably millions of people who fucking hate their job and they use the money that they get through the job to fund their version of the dream it doesn't address the fact that it's already hard for you in the system that's made so imagine just how much harder it's going to be for you going outside of that system and like so there's people who are like oh i don't want to change it right it's really hard and then there are people who are like yo but i don't think i'm ready to take the leap and the jump to to even go harder outside of that system i would argue that it's much easier to work within the system as difficult as it is it is like to your point like there is a system in place where you can plug yourself in and be successful and make really good money and like it's there's so many things and perks and benefits that are already taken care of for you as much campaigning that you have to do and i've done it as much as uh, all the things it is much easier than what the fuck i'm doing now it's much easier but then i guess for you know for now at least for now at least who knows it may be a lot easier once i figured it out and built the thing that i want to build and all that stuff but the first few years i guess like until you're figuring that shit out shit is depressing for sure and you question yourself a lot and you know you're like yo like should i have even done this xyz right and that's the power of the system you know the system is like a fucking planet with an orbit Mm -hmm. that shit is pulling Mm -hmm. you in son you know it's like it's it's once you're once you're exiting that orbit right like you see the 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 spaceships turn on fire and shit like that that's what it is we you like you're on fire right now you're fucking scorching because you're trying to exit but once you once you exit yo you're floating you're in space the like the expanse is crazy you know bro i got analogies wanna, for days man you making but me like, want to bench press right you making me want to bench press right now i'm i'm happy actually i'm happy i bro i'm not gonna lie to you man i have reservations about taking this call i was like what the fuck am i gonna say about professionalism you know but i just told myself do it and and speak from the heart and like that's also like the stuff we're talking about is things i'm dealing with actively now and like so the, to the point where we all have to make a decision at some point, whether we're going to stay in orbit or be on the planet, whatever, choose whether or not we want to stay in the matrix, you know, take the blue pill, the red pill. And I think for me personally, I'm definitely gravitating toward outside the system. There's so much more to life than like this linear progression this go to college get a job with the degree that you have and then you know work until you can retire and what i mean by so much more is like so many other ways to get yeah. to the end point that is retiring and also providing for your family and like living a living the good life yeah the thing is that you have so many examples of that recipe of that blueprint of people doing that linear path as you called it there aren't that many examples, successful examples of people doing the other. So to your point, like who has the recipe for the, for the other path? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you know, and I, I was talking to a mentor a couple months ago about that. I was talking about the things I want to do. And one of the things he told me was what, what, what is the output that you want to like, that's your, that's what you're selling. That's your, your thing. And at the time, I was like, damn, I guess I do have to get more specific. And like, I asked him, you know, how the hell did you get to that? And 
he said, man, I've read, I read and I read and I read and I studied, but like studying other people, studying other processes, other ways that people have made it. And like for what that pushed me to do, like I did have some reservations. I'm like, read, man, are you serious? Just fucking read, read until my eyes bleed. I hate reading. Right. But what like what I ended up telling myself with that was, but I need to I need to be an explorer. I need to go I need to go fucking seek it out. I have to flip rocks and see what the hell is under all these different things. And if and if like where I'm at, I'm not getting that. Or if where I am in life, it's not give, being given to me, like you gotta search for it. And you gotta, you know, put weird shit in the query or in your Google search you know yeah see what comes up and then if you can't like go to the library um but what i would say is like in the most simplest terms is that no one no one's really gonna have that success story but because like um it's always surprised they're out there slightly they're out there i don't want to say like no one has it what what i mean to say is more that there are a bunch of different versions out there Mm -hmm. and the goal is not to find the version for you. The mm. goal is to find, like, to find the the step, the next step that works mm. for you from whoever that example is. Yeah. Complete that step, and then you find the next step from whoever else, like it, and it that best fits you. Yeah. It's like a it's like a personal puzzle that you're building, you know, but. If you only have 10 pieces and those 10 pieces represent your whole life experience, your puzzle can only be so big or let, never mind a puzzle, a bridge or a fucking a tower, whatever you have bricks, same thing. So that, that knowledge base, like just soaking in information, different ways that people did things was really helpful. And that, and that, and that's what I started to do as far as like, okay, how am I going to figure this out for myself? And you know, like where am I going to find these examples? And then I, and to that point, I was reading Virgil Abloh's. I was just about to say, I was about to say him and his 3% rule. Is that what you're saying? Not 3%, but uh, that's a great rule. It's a great but, like, rule. Can you say it just of, for the people that know? I forgot what it means. <laughs> it's just, it's essentially like if you change 3% of something, it's a brand new product. Yes. Essentially. And that's, and like, that's what, that's what he did with his Pyrex. Right. His exactly. Pyrex flannels. Right. Like exactly. He, he printed Pyrex on them and then sold them for like 500 percent more and everybody wanted it. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. to that point, one thing he also said was, uh, I have many mentors, you know, and the mentors that he was describing to this is in his little book. Also, just like thoughts and stuff that he's written down and they compiled it into that small book. He talks about mentors that he's had and that how he sees mentorship, period. It's like all these idols that he has, Kanye being one of them, let's say like Bill Gates is another, Tom Ford and like other top designers. But then outside of that as well, like being in the music scene or even in basketball, him, like his point of view being that those are all my mentors because he understood the value of like learning objectively from their journey, from their process, Mm -hmm. from the things that they've done Mm -hmm. to have an even larger like capacity or propensity of understanding what is possible and just how exactly do I make it real? Yeah. Pull inspiration from everywhere. Like just because you work in fashion doesn't mean you only got to take inspiration for them. Those people. Yeah, in man. Fashion. I mean, like, and I, also day I sat down 
and I literally wrote down every person I look up to as far as a celebrity goes and every person that I would want to be like. And that's from like Denzel Washington to Jordan Peele, Virgil, Kanye. I mean, he's very problematic, so I don't know how much <laughs> like I don't know how much I want to be like him. Get I, would, it. I get it. I like I think it's a fact that people can learn from his rise to the top, you know, from anybody. Um, I think, too, and, is like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, no, I was going to say, I know I know we're at time, so I, I want to be mindful of that. The other thing I was going to say is like, as you're doing all this research, like sometimes to your point, like you may not find the exact person, right? But you also have the opportunity in that moment to be like, I'm going to be the person that I was looking for. Yeah. You know, I will, I'll say sometimes I'll leave you with this. My therapist way back when suggested I read something called Letters to a Young Poet by Rainer Maria Wilk, a really well-known poet. And like, he's not a black guy and he's not Hispanic, unfortunately. I wish he was. But one of the most powerful things that I read in those letters was sometimes it's just, and this is like a paraphrase, like I don't think this is on the money, but essentially it's about, or sometimes it's just about having the questions and living with the questions. You you might know, you have this inherent knowing and feeling of what needs to needs to happen, but you can't perfectly articulate it or you but you might not be able to perfectly articulate it. You might not be able to put structure around it for a long time, but like you got to continue to go forward because that's the only way you'll live into the answer, into the framework, into being able to say this is exactly like what I did slash who I've become or what I've achieved. Mi gente, that wraps up another episode of the Can't Do It Is podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, do us a favor, like, share, comment, tell a friend to tell a friend. And if there's an option to leave a rating or review, please do so. It's going to help ensure that these stories and experiences get heard by as many people as possible. And that's the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism. So your engagement goes a long way. Thank you. and see you next week.